Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now, I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So, let's talk paper scissors. One of my absolute favorite accessible design resources is a homegrown document created by the Association of Registered Graphic Designers, RGD, in partnership with the Government of Ontario, called Accessibility, a practical handbook on accessible graphic design. In 2019, the RGD released a revised and supersized second edition that contains 88 pages jam-packed full of practical tips for thinking about accessible design for print and digital spaces. The handbook covers planning and management, including how to start a conversation with the client about accessibility requirements, design fundamentals, typography, digital media, and physical media, including print design and environmental graphic design. No discussion of designing accessible digital spaces would be complete without the inclusion of the WCAG, the W-C-A-G, which is the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. This is a global standard and it contains a wide range of recommendations for making digital spaces more accessible. As described in Accessibility 2, the WCAG is organized around four principles of accessibility. Perceivable, operable, understandable, and robust. So perceivable refers to information and user interface components that must be presentable to users in ways that can, they can perceive. So specifically, no content can be communicated through visual or sound alone. Operable refers to user interface components and navigation that must be operable. So what that means is regardless of the user's physical abilities and or input devices, they should feel in control at all times within the digital space. Understandable refers to information and the operation of user interface that must be understandable. So this includes ensuring that content is as understandable as possible to individuals regardless of cognitive, perceptual, linguistic, or cultural differences. And finally, robust states that content must be robust enough that it can be interpreted by a wide variety of user agents, including assistive technologies. So thinking of both input devices and output devices like displays, browsers, and assistive technologies, a digital experience must consider and include such variables as older technology and display sizes and screen magnifiers, among others. Needless to say, there is a lot to learn about creating accessible and inclusive digital spaces, which is why I'm glad we have today's guest here. Meet Mel Suciati who is a QTPOC multidisciplinary creative director, designer, illustrator, developer, and educator who loves to solve problems through design. They are a registered graphic designer and they were recently announced as a finalist for the RGD's Ultra Bold Awards, celebrating emerging designers under 35 who are making an impact on the design community and beyond. Mel is a founder of Art Over Matter Creative, 
a creative studio that gives a damn, and one of the co-founders of Ripple of Change magazine, a magazine built to inspire social action by giving a voice to stories that need to be heard. Mel specializes in projects with a focus on equity, inclusion, accessibility, and social justice. Mel has also been a guest instructor, speaker, and portfolio reviewer with expertise on designing for diversity, cultural inclusion, and social good. Let's hear from Mel specifically in regards to practical tips for how to think about and how to build more accessible digital experiences for as many people as possible. My name is Mel Cicciari. I am a lot of things at once. Um, For a generation immigrant, I am non-binary, I am queer, Asian, um, I'm multidisciplinary, I'm a multidisciplinary um, designer, actually, educator, web developer, illustrator. I think that's about it. I also just recently been officially diagnosed with ADHD, so to add to those lists. You're, you're an incredible, incredible human, incredible person, and I'm so glad you're here with us today. So I'm curious if you can speak to uh, us or, or give us a little bit more information about your company, Art Over Matter, and why you started the business. Of course. So we are a creative studio who gives a damn. <laughs> we care about causes. We work a lot with nonprofits, community organizations, changemakers, foundations, and, and some government initiatives as well. And um, I actually started it back in 2007 because I've always wanted to work for myself. One of my dreams was to, it's kind of cheesy, but I've always wanted to change the world and make a difference. That was always been a passion of mine. And then I got to thinking of like, okay, well, what can I do? What am I good at? And the one thing that I could do is design and coding as well. So what perfect way than that um, if I could create a creative studio who can actually make a difference or help folks that are making a difference by making them make, making things look you know like better visually or you know more accessible for other folks and help them make an impact. So I find like in in the way um, this business just becomes where my passion and skills and who I am kind of meet. And now I am fortunate enough to then be able to bring in collaborators or team members that are, are of diverse background and, and identities. And now I'm able to also bring them in to help make an impact on, on these organizations. So yeah, that's basically it. I love that. And I'm curious to know what role specifically does accessibility um, and perhaps more generally inclusion play in the work that you do at Art Over Matter? I would say accessibility has always been important, but it's becoming more and more important these days. And folks are starting to realize how important they are. So for us, to be honest, it's always been at the top of our minds. Um, whenever we do creative brainstorming, whenever we got a new brief, it's always like, how do you make it more accessible? How do you reach this target audience? So it's always been at the top of our mind and and we try our best to, to be more accessible or produce things that are more accessible to the community or to the audience. 
And have you seen any trends recently in accessibility for digital communication projects? Like, is there anything that's kind of you've seen happen fairly recently that is is something that is new or changing or different? I think there has been a lot of things happening. One thing I thought was kind of interesting was alternative text on images. So that has always been there since the beginning of web, since the beginning of all things. You always have to have alt text and, you know, you always tell folks, oh, this is important. Whenever you put in an image, make sure you have a description of what that image is in case it doesn't load. But at the same time, it's also in case someone has is visual, visually impaired and unable to see the picture that you're that you have. And now it's becoming, you know, like it, it's becoming kind of the standard. So even on Instagram, there's a place where you could put in alternative text. And on all these social media platforms, they're starting to add these things, which is amazing. And I love that, you know, now that more and more people are on social media, that becomes like, you know, their piece of education or where it starts coming in for them. Like, oh, yeah, hey, we need to care about this. So I, I would say like that's one of the, I guess, app trend that becomes a standard now. Um, and I, I like that, how that then translate to everything else that we do. So whenever we post something on LinkedIn or if you, even on Instagram, when you have to put it in the comment, you'll start seeing folks describing what the picture is and then it starts, you know, just becoming a standard for everyone. So I would say that's one of them. And do you find that most of your clients kind of understand this this value of building in accessibility? So whether it be through social media platforms, whether it be in kind of more traditional contexts, do you see that most people kind of understand the value of taking the time to write the alt text, for example? Or do you have to convince them of the time and costs involved? Yeah, that's not always the case. Unfortunately, there has been a lot of education that needs to be done. Unfortunately, if, if you work with um, organizations with limited budget, unfortunately, those things are kind of at the bottom of the barrel. The last thing you want to do is, you know, add descriptions, like you need the content for your website first, or for your poster. And um, that's always kind of like the last thing people think about. So I find it worth it, actually, to just let them know of, hey, think about your audience. Are you excluding some of them by not having these things? Are you, you know, like, are you, um, limiting your your range of audience just because you have things just visual but not written and so yeah it, it so it doesn't always happen like that but I find that once you kind of explain why certain things are important and sometimes also making it um, a bit accessible for them as well saying that okay here's our the bare minimum that you could do that you should do and this is how much it costs but here's the impact Here's what, you know, you can open up the door to like 20 more um, followers or audience. Um, I, I find that when you talk about impact, that is easier to digest, especially if they are working in a community with, you know, maybe people living with mental illnesses or people living with um, disability, for example. Are you actually building this product or this design for them or are you actually eliminating them? So I think like just giving that bit of understanding sometimes helps. But otherwise, if there are clients or folks that don't see the value on it, then 
you know, we try our best to explain why it's important. If they don't see the value on it, then unfortunately we can't change people's minds and that's not really our job, right? Like how do you make uh, people value good design? You can't really, unless they see it, right? So, so we, do, we try to do our part. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you try and, and kind of be proactive or, or speak to accessibility at the beginning stages of the, the project, even when accessibility oftentimes is tacked on at the end or is looked at as kind of an afterthought, you try and build it in and, and explain the value proposition at the beginning. Correct. I actually try to encourage them to have it at the beginning when I give them a list of things that we need to start the project. One of them would be like, here, maybe just one sentence description of things. Just tell me what that picture is, because I'm not sure. So um, I find by bringing it up at the at the beginning, they're actually more prepared and they would actually come up with something, even though it's maybe something simpler and maybe they're like, uh. I find like if you mention it at the very end, it's really hard, especially on, so I guess I'm talking more about maybe like a website project or something like that. But in terms of branding, we bring that in right at the beginning when choosing colors, you know, like that's always in our mind. One of the most important thing actually, because if you start it right, that business will continue on using that brand colors that are actually accessible. And it could also mean um, providing accessible options for their colors as well. So sure, you can have like this really nice, pretty colors, but hey, here's some accessible options that you could use just to make your documents more accessible, for example. Do you have examples of those those more accessible colors, for example? Like that's that to me is very interesting. What colors are more accessible than other colors? So it's not actually the color itself. It's actually color contrast. For web accessibility, there are a few different levels that you need to you need to meet and in terms of color contrast itself so this is not just color contrast so for web accessibility there's a whole bunch of lists there's a double a standard as a triple a so triple a is obviously better than double a and i think there might be a single a but the standard now is at least a double a you have to meet the double a standard and what that means is that for colors for example you need at least 30 percent of contrast but there are tools that you can actually put in um a hex color, so any color that you want, and then you put the background color that it's on, and then you can check whether that color is accessible or not. And it's about the combination of colors. So if you think of someone who is visually impaired or maybe colorblind, for example, they may not see color the same way, but we all see contrast the same way. So if you were to turn your design into black and white, right, like that's what we're talking about. So the combination of color. So if you are writing... Um, with a yellow font, a font in yellow on a white background, for example, that would be really hard to read. It might look pretty on Instagram, but it might be hard to read. So you might also see folks on Instagram now that have two slides and they'd be like inverting colors or different colors. Sometimes that also helps. So if you can't read it in the one slide, move on to the next one and you probably would see it better because they would have better contrast. So that's an option of like, I guess, how you could do it. Yeah, so I would definitely recommend um, just Google up color contrast checker. And then there's actually also um, a lot of plugins on Chrome that allow you to, that allow you to simulate color blindness and different type of color blindness. 
and also let you know if your colors are accessible or not. That makes a lot of sense, though, that, it, that it's the contrast. It's one color relative to another versus just a single color. Yes, that makes tons and tons of sense. And actually, just the other day, I, um, on the advice of a book I was reading, uh, I to, to make my phone look less like a toy and more like a tool, as the as the as the book. Uh, was alluding to, I turned a color filter or all, all of the color off on my phone. And so I just had it in grayscale. It was just black and white and tones there therein. And it was amazing to me. So yes, I, I did it for reasons other than accessibility, but it was amazing then to, to use different apps on my phone and realize how color contrast either played a significant role or didn't play a significant role and how that really affected my perception of those those visual images or how it kind of impacted my use um, for better or for worse not being able to see any color at all so yeah that was kind of an interesting um, side benefit of of putting my phone into grayscale yeah I I love that tip actually um, I would recommend anyone who have well a smartphone nowadays go to your accessibility settings, start turning on and off things. You'll be surprised of how much things could actually help you maybe. I'm, I might be getting older, but now I'm like, okay, I need more contrast. I could turn that on, you know, like high contrast. Even on, on my Mac, um, I turn on high contrast because sometimes it just makes it a lot easier to, to read things or like to see the windows and things like that. So um, yeah, you'll be surprised. Like essentially accessibility is about thinking through someone else's shoes and you may not know like you don't know what you don't know so it is up to us to educate ourselves and try living in someone else's shoes if someone uh, you know cannot read what you know or cannot look at the screen what would they use things like dictation on mac and there might be another screen reader app um, that's built in on windows i'm not really familiar with but once in a while try turning that on to read the website yeah, it will be really tedious to browse any website, to be honest. Um, so like once you try doing that, so when you live in someone else's shoes, that's when you would realize how important little things are that maybe you might have taken for granted. Right. Like being able to just click on a menu. Do you know that people would just use tabs, but sometimes you might need to program it properly so that you can skip to the right menu. Right. If you don't have, a, oh, also another tip, try not using your mouse at all when browsing a, a website. Um, yeah, so things like that. That's actually really good. That makes a lot of sense just to, as you say, kind of have someone else, uh, someone else's lived experience or how, how experience how someone else uses their device or sees your design or views whatever you've created in on a phone versus a computer using some of these accessibility tools because that will kind of open up your eyes to what's missing or what mm -hmm. needs to be improved upon to be able to kind of reach more of, of the target audience as it were. And yeah. my next question has to do with, um, so, so while many professionals in our field kind of understand the importance of building accessibility into their work and considering projects through the lens of inclusion, what would you say or what do you say to those individuals who are on the fence or need convincing that everything we've talked about thus far is important? 
Yeah, though that's that's a good question. Um, I think we tend to associate accessibility with people who might have disabilities or you know people who are visually impaired or hard of hearing, things like that. Um, but actually, I don't remember what article it was or a book that I read, um, but someone mentioned this that all of us have accessibility needs if there is a specific setting or if you're in a specific um, there's specific factor surrounding us. So for example, um, you're outside looking at your phone and it's so bright you can't read your phone. Guess what? You need more contrast. Like that is an example of accessibility. If you look at your parents, grandparents, and one day we'll be really old, we may not be able to see those little tiny fonts on the on the computer anymore. Yeah, so like things like that. So you think it doesn't apply to you, maybe if you're like, oh no, I'm completely fine. I, you know, I I don't really see the need of this. No one will need this ever. Well, guess what? You went on a bike ride, you fell on your bike, now you can't use your legs. What happens then? Or you broke your arm. Your right arm, maybe if you're right-handed, you can't use it. See, then all of a sudden you have this accessibility needs that you didn't foresee. So it's it's not as removed as you think it is, I think. Given the right circumstances, you might need these accessibility features. So why not think about them? Just think, think about it as if, okay, well, maybe if one day I can't use my hand, what do I do? Can I browse my own website or you know things like that? So um, I think it's just about changing the people's mindset of, of why certain things could be important on design or on things that they're building. Yeah, we're all custom-made humans who all whose needs are changing all the time based on our circumstance and based on our environment. And okay. yeah, you're right that that even though it may seem far removed that we would need whatever accessibility feature that we're putting into this, uh, making a part of this website or this social media post or print project or whatever it is. Yeah. It, it's probably not that far removed from like, we'll probably know somebody who could use it, or, uh, we may even need to use that accessibility feature or like, it, it's, it's like you say, not that far removed from, from us. Yeah. Now I'm curious, what advice do you have for graphic communicators who want to make their digital projects more accessible but aren't sure where to start. So maybe they have the best intentions, but they have never, ever taken any sort of kind of formal training in the world of accessibility. Where the heck do they start? I'd say the easiest thing to start with as a designer is color, right? We all love colors and use of colors, combination of colors, you know, and well, let's, Let's look into color contrast. Let's look into, you know, pick the colors that you really want and then run it into the color contrast checker. See if they're actually accessible. And maybe even compare them to like, you know, this is ideally what I want. This is what would meet level A or level AA. Or this is like triple A. Yeah, start with color. Do something small that you have power upon. And if you're creating a poster or yeah, if you're designing a poster or anything on print, think about the background color that you're using 
in conjunction with the font color that you chose, also the size of the font as well. So it might be easier to read something that might have less contrast, but because they're like 40 pixels, I guess I'm thinking web, but if they're like 200 pixels on print, then clearly it's easier to see that. But if they're in a small font, just make sure they're more, con they have more contrast on them. So yeah, I would say start, start there. And um, I know I'm talking a lot about the features of a design or features of a product, but in terms of the content of what you're designing as well, um, I know we talk a lot about accessibility, but also be more inclusive. Make sure you include folks that if you're using stock, stock images, make sure you use you know, photos or representation of, of folks that are outside of white person stock photo, you know, like the main options. Like be more inclusive in your choices. Include someone on a wheelchair. Include, you know, like um, include a diverse range of people and different types of humans and big and small, tall and short and from different ethnicity as well um, because that's one way to make your your design or your your product more accessible it's like include more people in it yeah absolutely I mean if you're selecting photos anyway for a project then it's a it's a fairly easy ask or an easy transition to then say okay I just need to look for photos beyond uh, yeah the, the typical kind of stock photo that, that you may use, um, looking for a greater diversity to provide that inclusion. Yeah, I think that's that's a really relatively easy ask on, on the grand scale of all things we could do to, uh, to make our world more inclusive and more accessible. Yeah, and you'll be surprised how much power you have as a designer. I think even that very first draft, very first mock-up that you're presenting to either your colleagues or your boss or your client, you have that first choice to pick something that they might actually say, actually, I love that. I didn't think about that, but that works. So you don't be afraid. Also as designers anyway, you're supposed to push boundaries. So push boundaries for that first draft and then let's see what, what stays, right? And, and don't be afraid of communicating why certain things are important or important to you. So it's really, you know, how far you can take your design really is about how far you care, how much these things are important to you. Because I think when things are important to you, people can feel it and they'll, they'll understand because they'll see how much you care about it. So yeah, push boundaries. And I find that um, sometimes folks find it really hard to change or having all these restrictions because now, if you think of colors, oh, man, now I, I can't use this trendy color palette that everyone uses on Instagram or, you know, on, on TikTok, maybe. Or, you know, I can't use this color combo because it doesn't pass the contrast check. Well, you know what? You're a designer. Be creative. Because I find that with restrictions, you know, comes great design. Yeah, I think those restrictions actually allow you to be more creative. It should challenge you to find better ways, better solutions, and better ways to represent your, your thoughts and your design. Yeah, live within that boundaries. And, you know, yes, you can push boundaries, but in a way, you're actually also making your, your design more accessible to a wide range of, of folks too. Whereas if you don't have the, these constraints, then you know 
it may not reach as many folks as it can possibly reach. And I am uh, completely in agreement that uh, my students hear it all too often that constraint breeds creativity or that those constraints allow us to be creative. And I'm 100%, 1000% on board with that idea that, uh, that, that the right set of constraints can make all the difference and make the magic happen. Yes, there you go. There, that's a quote right there. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so, so much, Mel, for taking the time to chat with us and sharing your advice and your experience in regards to the world of accessibility and inclusion. And I really sincerely applaud what you're doing with your business and, and really uh, giving a damn for, for in the design world and for, for amazing organizations. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This has been my pleasure. My first podcast ever. Thank you. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs>